This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. In our second segment today, we're going to bring back uh, Russ Baker. We spoke with Russ a few months back about his excellent book on the Bush family titled Family of Secrets. He was sounding off on his website a few days ago about this NPR controversy, and we thought we'd bring him back to talk about that, which we'll do in our second segment today. We expect to hear from one or two other old pals as well. But let's begin today's program, as we like to do, with On This Date in History. The date in question is the 17th of March, which is, in fact, St. Patrick's Day. And on this date in 1762, New York City held the first parade honoring the Catholic feast day of St. Patrick. The party was apparently thrown by Irish soldiers serving in the British Army. With the dramatic increase of Irish immigrants into the U.S. in the mid-19th century, March 17th celebrations became widespread. It was on March 17th in 1846 that the German astronomer Friedrich Bessel, the first to measure the distance to a star other than the sun in 1838 using the method of parallax, died in Konigsberg, Prussia. We would refer you to, a, uh, to our own archives for a discussion of uh, the race to measure the cosmos with astronomer Alan W. Hirschfeld. Actually, the title of the book was Parallax, The Race to Measure the Cosmos. That, like uh, all of our shows, is available on our website, radioparallax.com. On March 17th, 1901, the late Dutch artist... That's the sad part. The late Dutch artist, Vincent van Gogh, finally gets the recognition he deserves when the Bernheim June Gallery in Paris hangs 71 of his paintings and causes a sensation across the art world. Kind of a day late and a dollar short for poor Vincent. But oh well. On March 17th in 1958, the U.S. launched its uh, Vanguard 1 satellite, the fourth artificial satellite to be put to... Uh, into orbit around the Earth, and uh, holds the distinction of being the longest satellite to be in orbit. It's still up there. Our quote of the day comes from Confucius, who said in the Analects, Man's natures are alike. It is their habits that carry them far apart. I like that one. Our quip of the day comes from Blaise Pascal. You know you're listening to a <laughs> pretty... High-tone radio program when you're quoting from Blaise Pascal, wouldn't you say? Well, we like to think so. Anyway, our quip from the philosopher is, All our reasoning ends in surrender to feeling. Much truth in that as well. Our joke of the day, and for this we have Sharon to thank. A DEA officer stopped by a ranch in Mendocino County and talked with an old rancher. He said, need to inspect your ranch for illegally grown marijuana. Rancher said, that's fine with me, but don't go into that field over there. The DEA officer looked at him and said, you see this badge of mine? That says I'm allowed to go wherever I wish in any land I wish, no questions asked. Have I made myself clear? Rancher nodded politely, apologized, and went about his chores. Not long after that, the rancher heard screams, looked up, and saw the DEA officer being chased by his big, angry bull. The agent looked terrified. The rancher threw down his tools, ran over to the fence, and yelled at the top of his lungs, 
Your badge. Show him your badge. Our stat of the day comes from an article in Rolling Stone by author Steve Knopper, who noted that in the entire history of rock and roll, 2010 was a commercial low point. In fact, it was a year without hits. Not a single rock record wound up in the year's top 25. And to that, we have to say... You know, it's fun doing a radio show. You ought to try it. Now let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly, shall we? It's our great pleasure when we do the good and the bad, the ugly, to realize that we've had on this program the ugly, Duco, played by actor Eli Wallach. The transcript of that interview is available in your friendly local publication, K-Deviations, found in fine cafes and coffee shops everywhere. And if you missed that, it too is available on our archives. It was great seeing uh, Eli Wallach at age 95 get a special Oscar this year. Makes us proud to have had him on. But as far as the good, the bad, and the ugly goes, you'd have to say it was a good week last week for forces of regression in the wake of the fact that House Republicans have reintroduced styrofoam cups and plastic plates to the Capitol cafeteria in Washington. This change is a part of a larger effort to reverse former Speaker Nancy Pelosi's Green the Capitol initiative, which mandated the use of recyclable utensils and cups made of cornstarch. I guess the Republicans were trying to send a message. The message, as we interpret it, would be, hey, we're a pack of jerks. Of course, when I say that, that opinion, like all those heard on this program, does not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the regions of the University of California. None of whom, as far as we know, have advocated the return to styrofoam cups and plastic plates in Regents' meetings. It was, on the other hand, a bad week for Bible literalists in the wake of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops changing the word booty in new translations of the Bible to spoils. Booty, to younger generations, connotes a portion of the body often shaken in time to music rather than the spoils of war. Said Bishop Richard Skilba, we need a new translation because English is a living language. And it was an ugly week last week for sex education. In light of the news that uh, Northwestern University has apologized after receiving complaints from outraged parents and alumni about psychology professor John Mitchell Bailey's bringing a guest presenter into his human sexuality class who reportedly brought his fiancée to a raucous orgasm 
with a motorized sex toy. Northwestern University President Morton Shapiro said he now hoped the media would focus on the wonderful things that occur each and every day at the college, such as a recent breakthrough in Alzheimer's treatments. Well, President Shapiro, if you're trying to compete in the news media, got two items. New breakthrough in Alzheimer treatments versus 100 students from human sexuality class witness live orgasm. Well, you know, we're, we're pretty sure we know which way that story is going to break. We've got a few more. We've got a story that's, uh, that's not good, but not as bad as you think. In the tests on, a, on the fabric seats of San Francisco's BART trains found nine types of bacteria, including some found in fecal matter and a skin bacteria that may be the antibiotic resistance strain called MRSA. But you know, if you remember your bacteriology from high school, you can grow stuff off of anything. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be bad. I do wish they would replace uh, the cloth seats with something easier to clean, however. And finally, it was a both bad and ugly week in China this week with news that the Chinese government is planning to launch a massive tracking system that will monitor the whereabouts of everyone with a mobile phone. Chinese officials said the project, the Information Platform of Real-Time Citizen Movement, would be used to ease traffic congestion. Critics say it was a blatant attempt to follow dissidents and journalists, perhaps to see which individuals congregate at protest sites. Said Chen Daron, a professor of wireless communications at Beijing University, improving transportation does not require knowledge of the individual position of each citizen. Adding, if you want to know about the flow of traffic, you should install cameras at intersections. Professor Chen, I, would, I wouldn't give your government any ideas. All right, from the Only in America file, courtesy of The Week magazine, we have this item. A New York couple are suing the lawyers they hired to help them adopt a baby boy on the grounds that the child is defective. Linnell and Victor Jeffrey say that if they'd known baby Ellington had serious neurological problems, they would not have adopted him. And now they want $5 million for medical costs and emotional distress. Said Mrs. Jeffrey, Ellington's a wonderful little boy, but this has been hard. Well, welcome to parenting, Mrs. Jeffrey. All right, from the oddball file, we have the fact that uh, Fred Thompson, former senator from Oklahoma, former presidential candidate, has apparently found work with a reverse mortgage company. We mentioned this a while back, but we expect maybe we'll be seeing Fred Thompson doing infomercials in the future. I think we mentioned this in passing some time back, but uh, the guy I really wanted to, to hammer was former TV announcer Hugh Downs, who you see in these horrible infomercials on, on late-night television. Hugh Downs first came to prominence in the late 1950s as the announcer on The Tonight Show with Jack Parr. He later became very well-known as the author, as the anchor of the ABC News program 2020. Down, in fact, Downs, in fact, won Emmy Awards for his work on 2020. And... Uh, Sad to note, he's now the host of an infomercial peddling The World's Greatest Treasury of Health Secrets, a book that's supposed to reveal all kinds of amazing cures that doctors don't want you to know about. This uh, caused blogger Paul Lucas to note a while back that uh, since Arizona State University happens to have a Hugh Downs School of Human Communication named after him, he was looking forward to some future university opening the Ron Popeil School of Human Communication. You can just see Professor Vince talking about how to push the sham wow. 
talking about uh, regressive politics a uh, minute ago. Apparently, the Tea Party, apparently, when uh, Tea Party conservatives talk about freedom from government interference, they're not talking about women's bodies, noted Michelle Goldberg in the DailyBeast.com. In recent months, the supposed libertarian wing, I put that in quotes of the Republican Party, has been the driving force behind a war on women's rights. You would refer to the California Aggie article by Aaron Migdal on this about how uh, they're, uh, they're trying to cut federal funding of Planned Parenthood. This Republican, this Republican backed bill apparently passed the House uh, last month and is currently up for debate in the Senate. In the article, UC Davis College Republicans Chairman Mark Ball declared the move as a response to Planned Parenthood's abortion services as well as a reflection of many Republicans' ideological opposition to government-funded health care. I wonder how the college Republicans feel about government-funded education because they could take their ass to private universities if they have such, such philosophical uh, problems with uh, the government's support of various institutions, wouldn't you say? Also note in the opinion piece from the Sacramento Bee last week, well, let me just quote from it. Three Central Valley members of Congress, Representative Devin Nunez, Republican Tulare, Jeff Denham, Republican Atwater, and Kevin McCarthy, Republican Bakersfield, have introduced legislation to divert federal stimulus funds, $2.5 billion, which were going to high-speed rail funding, to State Route 99. Their aim, they say, is to create a six-lane freeway. Noted the B, the bill they're supporting H.R. 761 is a public relations stunt. The state and federal governments already have signed the agreements for high-speed rail stimulus funds. Notes the B, the bill also presents a false choice between improving road infrastructure and building the passenger rail infrastructure of the future, which will operate at faster speeds than current intercity passenger trains. Now, we don't mean to be overly hard on Republicans, uh... On this program, there's certainly some finger-pointing that can be done at the Democratic Party. Stop me if you've heard this one. I don't want to be ambiguous about this. We are going to close Guantanamo. That was said by President Obama in January of 2009, giving himself a year to do it. Of course, two years later, Guantanamo is still open for business. Noted The Economist magazine in an editorial. Closing Guantanamo was going to be one of the big things Mr. Obama would do to set America on a new path in relations with the Muslim world. The place had become a symbol of everything that seemed so wrong with George Bush's war on terrorism. Beyond the jarring spectacle of blindfolded men in orange suits and manacles, the whole idea of locking people up indefinitely without trial looked un-American, a perversion of the values of a nation ruled by law. The president has reduced the number of inmates to fewer than 200. Even so, the fact that it is still open counts as a black mark against him and a continuing blemish on the global reputation of the United States. Of course, uh, although that's a Democratic administration failing to do what it said, (laughs) they have been a bit sandbagged by the GOP on this one. Nevertheless, there's plenty of blame to go around for this uh, very unfortunate failure to close Guantanamo. I also want to note in the political coverage we do on the show that uh, I'm not always against what the Republicans are up to. I think this idea of addressing the so-called birthright citizenship that some attribute to the 14th Amendment um, has some merit. We don't disagree. 
with uh, Congressman Tom McClintock when he said last summer in a newspaper editorial that if illegal immigration is to be rewarded with birthright citizenship, public benefits, and amnesty, it becomes impossible to maintain our immigration laws and the process of assimilation that they assure. McClintock had noted that the United Kingdom, Australia, Ireland, New Zealand, France, and India have all changed their laws in recent years to require that at least one parent be a legal resident for the child to become a legal citizen. The truth is, here in the United States, hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants have babies in the U.S. The new citizens are often poor. They become public burdens. I know this is true. I have seen this. I've, in fact, sometimes been the doctor in the delivery room. So I don't think to raise this issue makes you a bigot. The clause in the 14th Amendment that was enacted in 1868 to protect freed slaves said... All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens. Some would argue that that last clause may not apply to people who just happen to be here without uh, any legal documentation. We need to have a, a discussion on this topic in, in some future programs. All right, and so far in this program, we have not said too much about uh, what's going on in Madison, Wisconsin with the protests, but, you know... Our political correspondent, Will Durst, is a Wisconsin native. We know we can count on him for this one. Hey, guys. Will Durst here to talk about the crazed leader besieged in his own capital, defying reality and obstinately holding on to power while attacking his own people. And, of course, I'm talking about Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker. The locals call Madison Madtown, and never has it lived up to its reputation as in the past month. Following a November sweep of both houses of the legislature, Walker, the Badger Ranger, decided the major cause of a state's deficit was the dastardly public unions, and in his so-called budget repair bill sought an end to their collective bargaining and placed obstacles in the way of their continued accreditation. The very week after he rammed through huge corporate tax cuts for the state, which is a lot like paying for your quarterly luncheon by garnishing the wages of the waiters. Now, in a closed-door session, Walker has run an end-around Democratic Senate refugees, passing the bill through a tricky parliamentary procedure, a move that runs the risk of offending ordinary Wisconsinites like a New York cheddar winning the blue medal at the state fair, and which may be more illegal than heroin in a holding cell. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. This Republican war on workers being waged all over the country. Eleven states have pending legislation to strip unions of various rights. In Indiana, Democratic politicians joined the Wisconsin compatriots seeking political asylum in Illinois. Poor Illinois. Like, they don't have enough politicians doing nothing. But if you think this means the issue is over, you've obviously been spending too much time toasting the sunset while eating watercress sandwiches on the bridge of your yacht. As is their way, the GOP might once again have overreached and awakened a sleeping giant. As a matter of fact, I'll be most surprised if the AFL-CIO doesn't give Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker its Organizer of the Year Award. For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst. Thank you, Mr. Durst. Let's take a short break. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax. Let's come back and talk with our new pal, Russ Baker. Russ Baker. 